Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community that has rallied around it. During this expert coronavirus update, we learn from a globally recognized family guidance teacher and how she's applying her expertise to the crisis this pandemic has created. After more than 15 years of teaching the guidance approach to parenting, Catherine Winter Celery founded the Conscious Parenting Revolution to help people locate and understand their own triggers, avoid family resentment, developing into retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. Her desire to support parents to create safe and stable homes and families, especially during the societal shifts COVID-19 has created. While together, Catherine also shared her very personal and touching experience with racism and how she is also applying her work to the current societal unrest after George Floyd's murder. I'm grateful for Catherine's passion, determination, and mission to bring her expert perspective and guidance to families during these trying times for so many of us across our country and beyond. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Catherine, welcome to our podcast and thank you for being with us today, especially during these trying times. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for this invitation. Well, Catherine, we're glad you're here. And given where we are as a nation, both with the pandemic and now the societal unrest since George Floyd's murder, I'm eager for our community to gain your expert perspective in order for all of us to better equip our families during these trying times. But before we Mm -hmm. dive into this important conversation, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas and interact with the global ecosystem. If you are listening to this episode via our online community, thank you for being with us. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, Catherine, I'd first like to start by asking you where things currently stand and what your organization is experiencing during these trying times as families grapple with the new normal that COVID-19 has brought upon us. I'll open it up Mm. broadly and let you take it from there. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, you know, I've called it the COVID pressure cooker. (laughs) because what I found with families is that whatever the dysfunctional patterns were before COVID, maybe they were just managing them. They were able to go to work and the kids went to school and everybody was spending less physical time together. And so even though something inside of somebody may not have felt very good about a conversation or the way they were being spoken to, it didn't hit a flashpoint. But with COVID and taking away all of the, you know, exit doors and people being stuck together, in some ways, it's really brought everything to the boiling point. So with my type of work and the kind of family dynamics and communication patterns and support that I give to families, what I found is that my, you know, the need for those sort of services has exploded and that I'm spending a lot of time with people as a whole organism where, you know, 
oh my gosh, the two older kids are always arguing with one another and won't even speak to one another. And the younger kids are fighting all the time. And that mom and dad are, in ex, you know, like everybody's, everybody's bandwidth has been put under so much pressure and their skills have never been needed more than right now to create bandwidth within themselves as mom and dad to support their kids to create the bandwidth. But ultimately what I'm finding is that the patterns are the problem and how they've been interacting. And what I like to talk about a lot is that when you use a controlling form of discipline, you activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. And so we can see that within families, we can see that within society. And I mean, if there's ever been a time where we could see that within society that I can remember, it's right now with what's going yeah. on with the George Floyd incident, is that we're seeing the reaction. And a lot of the conversation is about the reaction. But what I always like people to go back to is the reaction is a response to something. Let's go to the, the situation that this is a response to. And let's keep our eye focused on that issue. So yes, the reaction is turning out to be a problem. I call it the tragic expression of unmet needs. The tragic expression of unmet needs that we're seeing all around us is a result of the unmet need. <laughs> if you want the reactions to disappear, address the underlying unmet needs. Yeah. And we're going to go deeper into that in just a moment. And thank you for that kind of high level overview of where we are with things, because it is a bizarre time. There's no doubt about it. Let me ask you a quick question, and maybe you can't answer this, but once the pandemic broke out, did you see this train coming? Did you know this was going to happen? Well, I've spent 30 years in Asia. And so literally when my children were really little, we went through SARS and we went through the bird flu. And this is for me the third pandemic in, you know, what do I want to say, the last 20 years. So I had the advantage, I guess you would say, of straddling between the United States and Hong Kong for the last 30 years. And in Hong Kong, I've been at the epicenter of the last two and then this pandemic. So it wasn't that I was living in Wuhan but I was close enough to Wuhan and we were actually back there for the holidays for Christmas that we were leaving and fleeing Hong Kong because more and more of the United Airlines flights were being canceled. A number of airlines were no longer flying in. United stopped flying in. We didn't think we'd get out of the country. So we finally got out in February. And because Hong Kong had been through this type of thing before, they shut down the borders almost immediately. People without any prompting just chose to protect themselves because they'd been through other pandemics. And there was no sort of forced wear a face mask. Everybody chose to. It was such a quick response that they've managed to really, like I was actually on the phone earlier this morning with a client in Hong Kong who told me there's now like three or four cases that they don't understand within the community. The cases that are being flown in those are being dealt with. Everybody is being tested and essentially managed really, really well so that they know where you are and whether you tested positive or negative. And if you're negative, you go home and come quarantine. But in America, this is like really the first pandemic because SARS didn't really hit that badly here. The bird flu didn't hit that badly here. Coronavirus has really been our first experience as a nation of something that's bigger than us taking 
a huge, huge dent. I didn't see it coming this badly, but I could certainly see all of the preventative things that Hong Kong was doing, Singapore was doing, Far East Asia, where they've actually had to experience in the past. Those past experiences informed their decisions, and they controlled it a lot faster in Asia as a result of having had that background. Wow, that's fascinating. And it must be quite the paradox for you to have lived in Hong Kong, lived in Asia, and now seeing it right here as well in, in the United States. It's, a, again, a fascinating time. So yeah. you know, we're going to dive in here on your revolution, the Conscious Parenting Revolution. It's mm-hmm. incredible work. But part of it is that your training has taught thousands of parents, educators, mm-hmm. and other professionals in a half dozen countries on how to minimize mm-hmm. misunderstandings and meltdowns and to communicate with more collaboration, cooperation, and consideration. Mm-hmm. Well, Catherine, I don't know of a more salient time that that's needed than now. Can mm-hmm. you give our audience a little bit of understanding what the Conscious Parenting Revolution is about and how you're applying that work to COVID-19 at this time? Yes, thank you so much. So the Conscious Parenting Revolution is about teaching communication skills. And I'm also trained as mediator. And so as a mediator, what you understand is that you don't take anybody's side, but you support each other understanding everyone else's side. So it's essentially mastery at perspective taking. So if I'm able to support families to begin to see their children as people too, as having needs and feelings that are just as important as the older or adults in the group, then it levels the playing field. There is no longer a power differential where people do things on the basis of, because I said so. (laughs) No matter how popular that was when you were growing up. Because I said so gets in the way of acknowledging that that other person's no is not defiance or disrespect but that they're saying yes to something inside of themselves that's getting in the way of them saying yes to you also. So maybe they're hearing it as a demand. Maybe they're hearing it as control. But what they're not hearing is acknowledgement and understanding of their perspective. That place of acknowledgement and understanding, of course, all kinds of possibilities can be created. And from that place, we can teach consideration of each other's needs, not on the basis of power and control or you have the ability to limit my access to preferred activities or to make my life downright miserable. But on the basis of, I understand what's going on for you. And wow, I didn't realize that my behavior was getting in the way of you meeting your needs, mom. I'll lower the TV or I'll go to my room and listen to my music there, or I'll do this, that, or the other thing out of this energy of, oh, I didn't know I was getting in the way of you meeting your needs. When we start to model that as parents, We teach listening by listening. So that's one of the most important skills is that when someone's doing something that, I don't know, triggers us, activates us, it's really difficult for us to take the perspective of, gosh, I wonder what's going on for that person. We focus on ourselves and the reactivity that's coming up within us. So there's a real skill to step back, take a breath and take a new road. But the skill of step back, take a breath and take a new road is the skill of being able to create connection. Connection is where everything happens. When I know that you belong to me and I belong to you and that we're all connected in this human experience, then I'm no longer thinking about you're right, you're wrong, you're good, you're bad. I've broken the cycle of judging your behavior on the basis of whether it inconveniences me or not. And I'm beginning to look at you as a human being. And as as children... A lot of times there is this 
filter and consciousness that they're supposed to do as they're told. They're supposed to be obedient and compliant. They're certainly not supposed to get in the way of my day. Um, And they're supposed to bend to me. So this is revolutionary to look at kids and say to yourself, this is the behavior that is actually coming out of an unmet need. Or this is me recognizing that three out of four disruptions are a reaction to power being used over someone. So they call it, this is the research of Thomas Gordon, retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. So these are the three R's. Gordon was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize three times. This is incredible research. And I think you can probably already use it and you're doing that kind of applicability to what we're seeing in the George Floyd case. So when we realize we create three out of four disruptions within our family, that's the research of Dr. Louise Porter in her book, Children Are People Too. She speaks about, yeah, Gordon talked about when you use a controlling form of discipline and power over another person. That is what you activate, retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. And that accounts for three out of four of our disruption behavior that we want to change in a family. Without the knowledge that I created this reaction, we spend our time thinking there's something wrong with the other person. I need to manage their reaction. I just got off the phone with a client this morning. Well, that's one approach. Or we can step back and say, did I create that reaction? Wow. Maybe what I need to be doing is thinking about the way I'm interacting and whether or not this approach to conflict resolution is actually supporting nice behavioral change. It's a big step to go from I don't like your reaction to I created the reaction. Well, now let's just start applying that because it is, you know, very important research and I've studied up on it as well and getting ready for this podcast with you. Can you now apply that to what you first said at the beginning of our podcast in regards to COVID-19? What does that mean for parents in regards to this pressure cooker that we're all in right now? Well, thank you. Let's tie it back in. So these are patterns where... I'm going to say, I don't have the exact research, but I'm going to say the majority of people use rewards and punishments as their modality. And it's a very popular approach to behavior management. And most parents don't have any basis to use something other than rewards and punishments. It's probably what they grew up with. And it's certainly what we see modeled in society. So if you don't do what I say, this is what's going to happen to you. So you better just do it. Most of the time, they're pretty successful with that because children are limited. There is a natural dependency, and it also cultivates fear. So Marshall Rosenberg, the founder of the Center for Nonviolent Communication, a teacher of mine and someone who was the founder of restorative justice in this country, recognized that when you use demand language, you activate, again, a response in the other person that wants to distance themselves from this demanding person. And it starts a recursive cycle of defiance and resistance, defiance and resistance. So if you've been using this approach to problem solving, and now everybody's in the house without those relief valves, and nobody can get away from the thing that they're so in reaction to. So the child is mad about the fact that their perspective is not being understood, that their no is seen as disrespectful that in fact, what they're trying to do is stand for themselves rather than make it about mom or dad. There's such a big 
shift for us to be able to see the person that's causing us inconvenience to see through their eyes. But if we can see through their eyes, understand and acknowledge their feelings and needs, it diffuses the situation. It creates connection. It also models for that person how to do that for me as the parent, how to understand my perspective. It's like this incredible ability to build roads. The other part of this is that when you're using an external locus of causality, always teaching people that they're supposed to do what they're told, be obedient and compliant, follow the directive of the parent who has power over them, we are actually cutting children off at the knees. We need to empower them to have a voice. We need them to trust themselves. We need them to stay connected to their inner world. And we don't need to see that as defiance. We need to see that as important and shift our perspective around the way we see what I'm going to call the reactivity as wrong. We see the reactivity as a response to power being used over them. And if I stopped using my power in this way, I would be able to understand their perspective. I'd be able to see them as people too. I'd be able to connect with them in a way that doesn't make them wrong. So do you see the applicability of all of these skills in the outer world beyond the family? Within the family, it's about creating internal locus of control, self-motivation, self-started change. All of this self-startedness comes from the fact that when people feel understood and acknowledged from their perspective, they have the capacity to understand your perspective. And they learn how to do that by you modeling understanding their perspective first so that they go, oh, I know how to do this. Not because they literally are thinking out of how to do this, but because you modeled it. And that's how children learn. They learn from modeling. So with a COVID pressure cooker and without skills, oh my goodness gracious, all we're doing is creating the, reta- creating the retaliation, rebellion, and resistance everywhere you look, everywhere you look. And you might get obedience and compliance, but not for the reasons you wanted. You're getting it out of dependency and fear, not out of understanding, cooperation born of consideration. You're getting it out of all of these reasons that people don't generally want it from. Well, thank you for that, Catherine. Wow, that's powerful. You also mentioned there in there, just real briefly, outside of the family. Let's go there for a moment because I think it's important, especially where we are as a country. Catherine, your bio states that you spent your early years growing up in New Orleans, Louisiana, and in America's deep south, you saw firsthand the racism and division that was polluting that part Mm -hmm. of the United States. It must be very difficult for you as well to now see where we are as a country after the George Floyd murder a number of days ago. It's always been there. I mean, just absolutely devastating. We know that that undercurrent has always been there, but these pressure cookers, as I was talking to a colleague the other day, it's almost this confluence of all of these pressure cookers coming together at once. Incredible unemployment, the pandemic, and then this overt murder in broad daylight. I don't know how else to say it. Um, Absolutely. How do we think about as families to think outwardly what's happening outside of our family with the racism and what we're seeing right now with the riots and the protests. How do we equip our children? How do we discuss this? How do we handle the outside within our own families right now? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel honored to be here to talk about this today because it's so much a part of my passion. And growing up in New Orleans for the very early years of my life, and I can remember stories that my parents 
told us about, I grew up as a Methodist and in the Methodist church in the early 1960s, how my parents' minister would go to the churches, the black churches in the community and invite the congregation to come to their church. And the next week, that church would reciprocate and invite them to come to their church. And they started modeling what it would look like. I was so proud. I know that sounds silly, but it just made me feel like, oh, God, I'm emotional about it. We have to model. We have to model it in our behavior, in how we live, in breaking down that there's a difference. This idea that we all belong to each other, that we are all part of humanity, that we celebrate the different cultures and colors and celebrations. And it's the richness of our fabric. We do that in our day-to-day lives. We notice when we separate from someone else and look at them like we don't belong to you because you're a different race or a different color or a different background. Rather than celebrating the differences, we create separation. So when I was a little girl and my parents were modeling that for me, modeling that sense of connection, breaking down those barriers in the Deep South, it was a powerful example that they set. And now we look at that situation with George Floyd, we look at the perpetrators and we think to ourselves, goodness gracious, I mean, what gave rise to you not seeing the humanity of this person that you're harming? What was happening within you that you couldn't create connection or hear this person? I I mean, that heart, that breaks my heart, that there's a, a human being on the planet that has grown up in a way that they haven't been able to cultivate within themselves this sense of connection, compassion, understanding. It's the key to us going forward is our sense of we belong to each other and we have to have a sense of compassion and understanding. So when we're hoarding in reaction to COVID, I wonder to myself, oh my gosh, well, what if I have enough, but my neighbor doesn't? Am I okay with that? It's that win-lose paradigm that we're going to grow out of, where my winning at your expense isn't a win for me. That That doesn't support my sense of well-being. It also activates this idea that it's okay with me that you're not okay. It's not okay with me that you're not okay. And by the way, you're not being okay could ultimately result in me not being okay if we want to look at it from that angle. Because we realize that this sense of disparity is such a deep undercurrent. And those are the explosions that we're seeing. You know, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm sure, you know, some of the audience will be familiar with it or maybe all of the audience will. But I can just remember when I began to really look at it differently. I'm sure I studied it in Psych 101 in college. But it wasn't until my world became about communication and understanding behavior as the manifestation of needs being met or the manifestation of needs not being met. If that's what behavior is, is it's it's creating a a portrait for me to see whether needs are met or not, the more tragic the expression, the more I understand the deprivation of the unmet need. So when we step back and we look at the behaviors that are happening right now, 
I am deeply concerned at the depth of the unmet needs, the depth of the unmet needs for connection, for autonomy, for people being seen as belonging, having a place and entitled to their needs to be met. And this this lens that we might look through of good, bad, right, wrong, the lens that we're looking through right now of condemning the reaction, I think the reaction is tragic. I'm sad to look at looting of, you know, Ray-Ban and Lululemon, and it doesn't make sense to me because it's not, it's not part of my conversation around right response, my conversation around connection to humanity. But I understand it when I put on the lens of there is so many, so there is so much unmet need. There are so many people who feel as though they have been marginalized and their perspective has been unacknowledged that I understand it and my heart breaks. Well, and to sum all of that up, Catherine, and and thank you for being so authentic and real and, and open and sharing your experience. But to sum it up, I just can't get Martin Luther King's quote out of my head over the past number of days. And it's quote, a riot is the language of the unheard. While I also absolutely don't agree with it, I understand. And it is difficult. So thank you for that, Catherine. And I think it is important that we, you know, we need to model, we need to, to bubble this up. We need to be very forthright with our own family members about what is happening and take it upon ourselves to be that answer. So thank you for that, Catherine. And as we wrap up here, this work is incredible. There's so much to learn from you. We could spend a number of hours here. (laughs) Uh, Can you let our audience know where they can find you online? How can they connect with you? How can they learn more about your conscious parenting revolution? Thank you. Yeah, actually, consciousparentingrevolution.com is my website. And for the past, I think it's been about, I think I've done about 10 master classes. I've been doing them every Thursday for about two months, where I'm just offering a master class, which is free and open to the public for anybody to get on and come join this opportunity to talk about what I call an internal locus of causality, understanding how to support self-motivation, self-direction, how to diffuse situations, and how not to activate the three R's, for goodness sake, that then you spend the rest of your time dealing with. So the secondary problems are really what people focus on, where it's really the initial problem, the primary issue and how I deal with it that can prevent all those secondary problems from arising. So if you go to the consciousparentingrevolution.com, you'll see on the homepage, you can join these master classes. I'm doing them twice a day because I have a worldwide audience. And so people in Europe can pop on and people in Asia. One o'clock Denver time and 7 p.m. Denver time every Thursday. And I would love, uh, I love for anyone to come who I've, you know, Bill would love some support and perhaps a new lens to look at behavior and how to deal with it. If you have created resentment flows, there's ways to heal those relationships and those healings, reconciliations, reconnections, they can all be done. It's happening every day. Um, no matter how bad it is, there are tools and please come, come and get your tools. 
Well, thank you for sharing that, Catherine. We'll also leave the ConsciousParentingRevolution.com information over at PassionatePioneers.com, our free global online community. And we'll ask our community to leave some comments and some thoughts and some considerations for Catherine uh, in her article that will be posted there for this episode. So again, over at PassionatePioneers.com, our free global online community will be another great way for you to connect with Catherine and all of her amazing work. So, well, as we wrap up, Catherine, it's... uh, It's been an honor and a privilege to spend this time with you today, especially during these difficult moments in in our country. So thank you for all of your perspective, your expertise, more importantly, your determination and passion to continue to make healthy families around this country. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Mike. This has been such an honor and I just feel so timely. So I'm really blessed and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.